you the real MVP. Blocked by James. I'm Michael Jordan. Stop it. Get some help. He's on fire. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Hoop. My name is Brian Stevens, and with me today is... Jalen Dixon, yes, sir. Hey, Jalen, how you doing? Doing good, yourself? Good, it's good to see you. It's been a while. Uh, for those who don't know, and I don't know if you know, I had uh, surgery on my throat oh. there. So I have been kind of you know, uh, out of commission for about two months now, but I, and you know, I apologize if my voice goes in and out, it's not lower. I was hoping that with the surgery, my voice would get really low like this, you know, and I would like have this smooth, <laughs> like the, like Barry white voice and it would be, but no, uh, it's just kind of like raspy. And, uh, it's like, if I had to scream to save my life, I could do it once. Don't ask me to do it twice. <laughs> so, um, but no, I'm feeling a lot better. And I'm on the men and hoping to podcast more. Um, and it was perfect timing. The finals are here, and that's why you're here, to talk about the finals. Uh, so, yeah, we're just going to talk about the finals. I, I want to recap, though, real fast to, to kick off. I want your thoughts on both of the uh, sides of the bracket here. Let's start with the Eastern Conference. Uh, who did you pick to come out of the East? And um, were there any disappointments? What did you think of the of the playoffs? Um, and uh, did... Uh, the right person win the uh, Larry Bird Trophy. Huh. Okay. So that's a lot to unpack, but I think the biggest thing to start off with is in terms of my choice. So I said, I went on the record by saying that after Boston took down the Nets, I thought they were the team that was going to run the table Mm -hmm. um, through the Eastern Conference from then. And although it wasn't in the most conventional way right i mm-hmm. think the milwaukee series maybe went a little bit longer than people expected without chris middleton some are on the fence that believe boston should have won in five games had the drew holiday block not happened and some other stuff other people are on the other fence that say milwaukee would have won in five games if we had chris mm-hmm. so of course that's its own interesting thing and the miami heat series was one jimmy butler shot away actually let's say one jimmy butler decision away right because there's a, a lot of people have a lot of takes on what should and shouldn't have happened in that last 16 seconds mm-hmm. but they were one shot away essentially from maybe being in a different position nonetheless they're here so that kind of made me feel pretty good in terms of picking them um i think you know in terms of jason tatum winning the the Larry Bird trophy you have to kind of take the totality of his work throughout the postseason to really right. make the most of it because I wouldn't say the game that he earned it, the the, the game that, that the game they were coming off where he received it was the game that helped him earn mm-hmm. the trophy. Same way as Steph Curry, right? Steph Curry on the other side of the bracket, I wouldn't say that that final game was like his best game or anything, right? It was Clay Thompson who led yeah. the team in scoring, I think, with like 32 points or something like that. So that wasn't the game that earned him the title in the West, but it's the mere fact of how he's been able to play throughout this whole postseason that really like carried that narrative. And look, bro, I mean, if you're gonna keep fleecing Steph Curry with the with the finals MVP, at least get <laughs> at least he's got a start to it. Maybe this yeah. will be the trajectory towards something else. I'm not entirely sure. We'll see where our takes go when we get towards the end of the pod, but still. So I think um 
So I picked the Heat to win the East, uh, and I got mocked a little bit for that in the beginning. But I feel a little bit vindic- oh. I feel vindicated, right? You know, yeah. people were like saying that the, you know they were frauds, and um, I saw a lot on TikTok. And now I want to be clear: a lot of younger fans um, that proliferate some of these websites and some of these conversations <laughs> uh, just don't like the style of basketball that Miami produces, right? Because it's a it's not flashy. Butler is not the most um visually stunning superstar right his game isn't like this eye popping he's not you know john morant dunking on people he's not uh tatum with this smooth silky jumper and uh he's he's a little bit of a bully right he gets his you know he gets his way by getting to the line shooting lots of free throws um hitting mid-range jumpers uh so but i love i'm not a heat culture guy but i think that they do um they do practice what they preach. There's a lot of defense. There's a lot of ball movement. There's a lot of uh, follow the system with with that team. And that's why some guys flame out. Honestly, I truly believe that's why LeBron didn't want to be there uh, is because of the system. And you you can't really freestyle with Eric Spolstra. You just can't do it. Like, he, he, mm-hmm. he wants you to run the system. So I felt really confident, and I feel a little bit vindicated. I was kind of blind to Boston, one, because uh, I hate Boston. <laughs> I'm a Lakers fan. It's a fair, it's, it's yeah. a fair, it's a fair thing to say, though. But I also felt like they, um, they just hadn't put it together until recently, and I wondered how much of that was just them. Um, one, Marcus Smart becoming the point guard, I think, changed a lot of everything. But also, I think defensively, making Robert Williams in the starting role. And healthy makes a huge difference for that team. To me, he might be the MVP of the team because when he plays, they're completely different. And uh, he's scary to me when he's out there. Like, I would not want to play against that guy. Um, He's just so good. And he seems like just like uber intelligent on the defensive end of the court. But anyways, um, I so I feel like I underrated the Celtics a lot, and I'm trying to not do that when we talk about the finals. So, But I think Jason Tatum definitely deserved it. He was the best player, I think, in the Eastern Conference the entire way through. I agree with you. Um, without him, they don't they don't beat Milwaukee, right? Um, and he, that that series, to me, made him a superstar, honestly. Yes. That, that, was, that was his moment. You know, he's obviously been a great player. He made all uh, NBA first team. But that series is what kind of pushed him to me as like, okay, he's a top 10, if not top five player in the NBA right now. So, um, yeah, I think you nailed it. I, I, I probably, if I'm a, if I'm honest, um, I, I kind of knew that Boston was going to win. Um, even though it went seven, I just, I felt like there was no way that that team was going to lose to Miami, but they still, we, I mean, we'll get into it when we talk about the finals, but it's just, they do some weird shit, man. They do. They make. <laughs> they make weird yeah. mistakes, and they choose yeah. to do weird stuff when the game's close. And and, yeah. and, and they are not a front runner because when they get the lead, they you, they will cough it back up, right? Like they will mm. cough that lead up. So, um, yeah. Um, what about the West? So, how do you? Who do you have coming out of the West? And, um, you know, you you already mentioned Steph, uh, but what did you think of the of that side of the bracket? Yeah, so uh, full disclosure, I was a lot, a lot more hype on Phoenix um, coming into the postseason, and I felt though, I felt as though Phoenix had a favorable bracket in terms of who they were going up against and how they match up with them. And I still look at it, and I think roster for roster, 
Phoenix was a better team than Dallas. And I think that if they had gotten past Dallas, they were a much better matchup for the Warriors. This is one of those things where I think Dallas, similar to in past seasons with the LA Clippers, I think Dallas just ran into a team that was well built for their Mm -hmm. type of style, especially when you talk about the Warriors from an offensive standpoint and their ability to attack Dallas's, you know, top five scoring defense. It was because unlike the other teams prior, again, Phoenix was very almost kind of heliocentric to a certain degree in terms of relying on Devin Booker as a scorer in that series. DeAndre Ayton kind of fell off towards the back end of that series, right? And you look at the Memphis series, of course, you know, there's John Morant, there's Desmond Bain. They have guys, but John Morant is still the only guy truly that you trust to create his own shot on any given possession. But when you look at Golden State, right, Golden State is a guy is, is a team, and you talk about specifically their pathway. Denver's defense is horrid, right? Mm-hmm. And they definitely yeah. didn't have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter not being healthy. Definitely changed that series. I don't know if Denver wins, but I think it changes the, the trajectory of that series right. and the way we view it. And then the Memphis series, I think after Jaw going down, it was a question of how many games, not if they would get it done. Mm-hmm. And then against Dallas, again, going back to the, the play style thing, and I say that they're a bad matchup for Dallas specifically, it's because they have shot creator out the wazoo, right? Jordan Poole has really made a name for himself in this postseason as a, as a big-time scorer. Steph Curry, we know what he can do. Kevon Looney announced himself in that series with uh, with a couple of solid games on the boards, uh, specifically having a 20-plus point game for the first time, what felt like ever. I looked back into it. And apparently Kevon Looney's career, I mean, his season high in 2022 prior to that playoff game was 13 points <laughs> like three months ago. That's so, insane. like, even he, like, had a had himself a ball against that team, so to mm-hmm. speak. So I think that Golden State, everybody says, like, you know, championship, integ- like championship mentality and, you know, ch- championship peg- pedigree and all that kind of stuff. But I think this was just a team that got a favorable bracket while also being in a situation where they were able to exploit teams using their strengths. They didn't have to worry about Jordan Poole getting picked on defensively as much because Andrew Wiggins has really made himself a factor defensively for this team on the wing. They were able to get past Gary Payton the second and Andre Iguodala being injured by getting good minutes from Otto Porter. Like they've gotten mm-hmm. a lot of they're a great team and I'm not trying to discount their, you know, their road to the finals, but they're they're a great team that got a lot of breaks while also having the kind of structure to move maneuver themselves through a bracket that kind of favored them after mm-hmm. you know after all the chips fell. Now Steph Curry winning it, I think made sense of all the players that were viable. I think he's the one that was pay, I, maybe the most consistent. Klay Thompson had a 30-point game here or there, but he was a guy who was closer to 12 and 15 than he was 25 and 30. Mm-hmm. Jordan Poole seemed to always be great for games one, two, and three, but if it got any, if it got to a game, you know, once it got to game four and beyond, kind of got quiet there. So if anybody deserved it in terms of being the most consistent and from a name value standpoint. Steph Curry, I think he, I think he earned it out of all the guys that were there. Luka Doncic, if they had won that series, would have easily, mm-hmm. you know, been that guy. There would have been nobody else on the Mavericks to, to to take it from him. But in terms of Curry's team, yeah, I think Curry just, you know, stands out. Uh, so I picked Golden State. I picked the Golden State Miami Finals um, before the playoffs started. And actually, if you go back to old old two guys, one one who before the season even started, uh, I picked Golden State 
to win it all. Um, okay. But I'll be honest with you. I'm gonna. There's two caveats to this. Um, in the preseason, I really thought they were going to pull a trade. I thought they were going to end up trading Kaminga and Moody and Wiseman mm. and maybe future picks for somebody like uh, Siakam or just mm. someone else who would uh, help them. Uh, another star, another a decent name uh, in the playoffs. I didn't obviously know Jordan Poole was going to have this kind of season, you know, like that. <laughs> right? I, I you know, so that – and uh, honestly – their bench has been outstanding. The two rookies have given them good minutes throughout different spurts in the playoffs. And um, Bialica and um, um, Gary Payton uh, Jr. have just played well in different stretches throughout the year. Um, so uh, I the reason I really like this team on this playoff is kind of what you said. That, that I'm going to say it a different way than you said it, but it's all comes down to the same thing. The West was Phoenix's to lose, I think, in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, yes. And that is the problem when it comes to Phoenix because you're so reliant on Chris Paul. And the dude's 38 years old. He's never stayed healthy. When I made my prediction, I was betting on them not being able to to uh, to carry through. And it's probably because of him not being able to finish a season even last year i don't know that they would have beat milwaukee but he obviously got hurt he hurt his hand we all know he hurt his hand the first two games versus the rest of that series it was a totally different chris paul and you could say the same thing in the dallas series the first three games of that series was a total different chris paul than it was the last three games you know uh last four games it especially in that game seven he looked just like a shell of himself that's part of basketball. Injuries are part of basketball. You know, you talked about all the injuries that um, that that Golden State went through. You talk about all the injuries that Miami and Boston had. I mean, players were in and out of that lineup that whole series, right? Butler missed games. I mean, uh, Robert Williams was in and out. Mar- Marcus Smart missed game. Like, that's part, you know, Chris Middleton missing game. Like, that's part of the playoffs. That's part of basketball. But one thing that Golden State has is depth. And they have really, really smart talent, I think, on the bench. Even those rookies, man. I'm so impressed by how well uh, Kerr and Mike Brown have coached those guys up to be able to like just mentally know, I have to be in this spot on the defensive end. Um, there, I, in my opinion, and I, you can disagree with me, I think Golden State is the smartest collective basketball team in the league. That's truly what I believe. Um, from the coaching staff all the way down to the players. I mean, and, and people are going to hate on me, and I get why people don't like Draymond Green, but to me, he has one of the highest basketball IQs in in, in the history yeah. of the NBA. Like, he is yeah. just a savant in terms of basketball, um, especially on the defensive end, right? He's a he's a he's a floor general in the every sense of the word. You, know, you hear that term a lot, but he knows uh, the spacing. He coaches guys from the back end, and it's not necessarily about his physical ability. It's just he is brilliant. He is one of the smartest people in terms of basketball knowledge that you'll probably ever meet. So that's why I picked, kind of picked them, and a lot of it was predicated on Clay getting back to himself as well. And finally, we saw that like in uh, Game Five, he. It looked like I even I even thought to myself, and I tweeted it. Uh, this is the clay game. This was you know we've been waiting all playoffs for this game to happen, and it finally happened in a closeout. So, um, yeah, I think in terms of Dallas too, um, I, I'm I'm like gonna kind of uh, like I'm gonna apologize to Jason Kidd because I think he's a garbage coach in Milwaukee and he was a garbage <laughs> coach in New Jersey, but he, I mean that, that clip of him coaching uh, defense from the sidelines kind of changed mm. my, kind of changed my mind. Right. Um, 
and I, I am like, sh- I, I know I don't think I've ever seen anyone coach like that where he's like, you know, he's, I think it was, who was he yelling at? Was he yelling at Finney Smith, like arms up, get in the space, you know, that, you know, what I'm talking yeah. about that clip. Yeah, it was, I mean, he kind of, he, I mean, as the, as the ball was swung around, he was on everybody yeah. and everybody was able to find position. And I definitely agree with you. That's one of those that went viral. And it's for the fact that a lot of people were kind of concerned about how he was going to be able to whip a team like this in shape, specifically focusing on, the big point guard, Luca, mm-hmm. because everybody went into this season with the mentality that either Jason Kidd was not going to be big enough of a voice to be able to mm-hmm. reel Luca in, or he was going to be just the guy they needed in Luca's ear in order to get things down. And we were able to see that that's uh, that was a little bit more of the latter. Now, now some will argue, and I think this is worth debating too, is whether or not the truth was just Christos Porzingis was not the greatest fit for this team in uh, <laughs> yeah. under his circumstances. Yeah. Some will argue, hey, well, a Christos Porzingis, the kind of talent that he is at the big man position, actually was the one thing that they were actually missing against Golden State. So... There's a lot of different weird little angles there that kind of take a look at. But I think at the end of the day, you can't leave that Dallas series. You can't leave this postseason if you're a Dallas fan with the mentality that you had before, which is the idea of worrying about whether or not a guy like 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 him can coach. Kid can coach. You saw that. He's learned a lot with the time that he spent on the Lakers bench behind some of the better guys in this industry in terms of being able to coach guys up. And he truly took notes. And you can tell. You just can see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, and I, I I had a blind spot for that too. So I like I didn't have Dallas getting out of the first round, I, especially. So I made that pick once Luca got hurt, and I was like, "There's no way that they're, they're gonna beat Utah." Mm-hmm. And then they took a, and then they took a game off of Utah when he was down, and I'm like, "Okay, well now there's no way Utah can win if he comes back." And <laughs> right. you know, I mean, and that was the case. All right, let's get to let's get to our finals breakdown here. Go. The way I want to kind of attack this is, um, let, just give your finals pick. And okay. explain why you think that that team is going to win. And then I will do the same. And then we can um, get into a little bit more in depth. Okay. So for me, I like I told you beforehand, I had Boston pretty much running the table after beating the Nets. It was for me, I told my, I kept living, I, the hill I was willing to die on is Jason Tatum has to quite literally outplay Kevin Durant in order for him to not only assert himself as one of the next best players, if not one of the best players currently in the league and truly be accepted within that conversation. Because I feel as though people are on the fence about that on any given day as to whether or not the superstar tag should truly be put on him. I thought that that series to start was going to be very defining in terms of his own individual uh, viewership of from the club from the public, but I also thought that was going to be extremely important for them moving forward to gain momentum. And Boston's defense has held up. Jason Tatum has played up to par. Marcus Smart has truly kind of taken advantage of this open point guard role. And this is something that I kind of I mentioned this at the beginning of the season. This was something that I thought was going to be really important because for season after season, you just saw. It seemed like Boston was doing everything in their power to make it where Marcus wasn't the point guard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kyrie, Kimba, Dennis Schroeder. Yep. Like, they just kept yeah. trying guy after guy. The, the next hot name you could use at the point guard position to keep 
Marcus Smart either coming off the bench or at the two guard. And we finally gave him the reins and he was able to become much more than a defensive player by being able to really keep guys organized. And of course, I think the Derek White trade is one of the most underrated trades mm-hmm. in the last like five years in terms of a guy coming into their team and just his overall play style in a way kind of helping settle a team down where they started. Jason Tatum became much more of a facilitator. He's mm-hmm. kind of opened his game up in a way since Derek White came in who again comes from a a Spurs system where the ball needs to move and he was coming to a team with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum where the ball seemed to stick right right? so interesting how that contrast happens and one guy drops in and that alone really changed their dynamic but specifically in this series my big reason why I'm picking them I'm picking them in six games because I don't think if they go back to Golden State in game seven you can steal that I, I, I know they did it with the Heat but this ain't the heat. I'm just mm-hmm. letting you know. So I think they have to get it done in Boston. But the thing that I view as the most important is the strength and length on the wing for this team, specifically defensively. I think that Boston has more guys who can check check guys one-on-one, switch around, and play big without giving up much in ways that I don't think Golden State can combat unless Golden State is really rolling with the pace and space that they typically play with. But I think I think the Celtics have enough length, enough athleticism to play either within that pace and space or actually slow them down. Because you have to think about it one for one, right? We know Marcus Smart versus Steph Curry is the one-on-one matchup everybody's keeping their eye on, right? The, the Marcus Smart is the Steph Curry stopper like mm-hmm. Della Vadova was yeah. so, once upon a time, you know, when they pull up those stats. But... Jason Tatum, you know, he's checking Clay Thompson. I feel confident in that. Uh, Jalen Brown, whoever he gets in the mix of that, I'm assuming he might get Andrew Wiggins. I know Andrew Wiggins might give him a bucket here or there, just like Clay Thompson's going to give Jason Tatum a bucket. But I feel kind of confident in that. Grant Williams, I think, is a really solid defender and he really made a name for himself in the series against mm-hmm. Milwaukee. Yep. That's where that's where he arrived. Not even the scoring output in that game seven, but I'm talking about defensively is where he mm-hmm. really kind of put his foot in the sand or put his foot in the dirt, excuse me. And then Al Horford, man, I mean, kind of holding things on inside. And somehow we go through that and your guy, Robert Williams, is the X factor in all of this, mm-hmm. right? If he's healthy, which we didn't really see much a healthy Robert Williams in game seven against the Heat, but we saw healthy Robert Williams in game two against the Heat. And that was a guy who could really take who could really take over a game just off lob dunks, athleticism around the rim, blocking shots, and getting the job done. So I just think that Boston has everything to be a bad matchup for Golden State, specifically on the defensive end. I think that's gonna defense has gotten them this far, and I think that's the the biggest way they close the door. Yeah, so I'm I'm torn between my uh, my heart and my head here uh, because <laughs> it, it hurts me to agree with you, but I'm picking Boston in six as well for a lot of those same reasons that you, you've mentioned. Now, I don't think that this is by any means like just a wash and that Golden State can't, no. can't win this series, hmm. but I think that um, a few things that you mentioned really causes me to pause with Golden State. And I look at the matchups. You mentioned the wing matchups. Obviously, Curry's going to have to guard smart. Um, they're probably going to do a lot of pick and roll and try to get him on Tatum. Um, and that's, I, I don't know what you do. You have to, I guess, double. But the way that Boston has built this offense is that anybody can hit open jumpers. 
including yes. Al Horford. Al Horford has been lights out from behind the arc. He's been uh, one of the key offensive uh, aspects of this team. Um, and if you if they are going to pl- end up playing Horford and Williams together, I think that is really scary for Golden State because what happens is you're going to have to play Looney a lot more than you probably want to. That death lineup becomes less viable because uh, you have to worry about Horford on the offensive end. Most of the time when that happens, you're able to double in the post. You know, the death lineup was so successful against bigger lineups because, like, for instance, when you look, Dwight Powell was played off the off the floor, right? They couldn't, they couldn't do it, yeah. right? They couldn't do it. Dallas couldn't do it. Um, you could say, you know, it, Jokic, MVP, he struggled because mm. when that death lineup came in or whatever they call, they're calling it now, death lineup 2.0, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you have to defend, you struggle. Mm-hmm. Horford has been able to defend in space uh, unlike ever in his career. I don't know if he's on roids or what, but he looks amazing. <laughs> and the other thing is he's made them pay, other teams pay, on the offensive end. He's hit open shot after open shot after open shot, uh, killing the offensive boards. And I that's the part that I think is scary is uh, Golden State out-rebounded uh, Dallas by a huge margin, huge margin. Yeah. I don't think they're going to out-rebound Boston. If Robert Williams and Horford are on the court, those second-chance points are just not going to happen. They don't have the, they don't have the combination of P.J. Tucker and Bam. Um, you know, they have Draymond and Kavon, and Kavon just isn't athletic enough to go out there and, and switch some of these guys. Um, you know, it, it, people can point to the Dallas series where when he got switched on to Luka, uh, he didn't do terrible. But the problem is... Luca isn't super fast. He's more of, uh, uh, I'm going to put my shoulder down get to you and figure out a way to get my shot off. Um, mm-hmm. He's not going to blow by you. So I think that that's part of it, right? And so what I see the Warriors having one of the, the, the biggest struggles, like you mentioned, I think they're going to really struggle on the offensive end as well because uh, one thing that, we, that we've seen in the past is Curry and Clay don't perform well when other teams get physical with them. And that's just, I mean, that's the way Boston plays. I mean, you look at those last two series with Miami and Milwaukee, and it was just, uh, those were two of the most physical series we've seen in the last probably 15 years since the, since the old school Boston team, since 08 Boston, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they've struggled when teams got physical with them. Now, on the flip side of that, I just, I, I worry about their defense being able to, to produce the amount of turnovers and rebounds that are going to be needed because they're going to turn – we know Golden State turns the ball over. They love lazy passes. They love coughing it up. They love, you know, turning the ball over. Uh, I think they were they were uh, bottom five in the league in turnovers this year. Um, so when you mix that with Boston's pressure defense, their ability to switch, it just it, – it makes it hard for me to see a path for Golden State to win. Um, and I just – if they do win – Clay is going to have to go back in time. And honestly, their bench. Their bench is going to have to just destroy Boston's bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure that they can um, because I think that, like you mentioned, Grant Williams and Derek White. And, you know, we didn't mention Peyton Pritchard, but he was almost a guaranteed bucket. I mean, he mm-hmm. if he got an open shot, he knocked it down without, without flinching. And he played decent defense as well. Um, I don't know that, you know, that's going to work for them so well matching him up with like Curry or right. Jordan Poole. But my the point stands is like as long as they can tread water in those bench minutes, I just I, I don't think that I don't think that Boston can lose this series. 
That being said, for whatever reason, Boston makes some really, really poor decisions on the court. Um, mm-hmm. there, there are games and there are moments when Jalen Brown just can't dribble the ball. I, I don't know what happens. It's like he's having an outer body experience or something where he like just keeps dribbling the ball into traffic and turning it over. And then Tatum just refuses to shoot. I, I mean, we've seen it. Um, we saw it in, in game six. I mean, Tatum was lights out when he shot the ball, but him and Brown in the second half, I think they combined for five shots or six shots or something ridiculous in that, in that game. So I, I worry about Boston's, I don't know. It's like if it's a mental thing or if it's just, they get lost in the game. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? So kind of looking around statistically, one of the biggest things with Boston is throughout the regular season, they 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 were one of the worst crunch time teams in terms of offense, offensive production in the NBA. But it was because they didn't play in crunch time mo- uh, that yeah. much, especially in that back half of the season. They were really blowing out. Teams, putting, yes. Yeah, they were really putting foots on neck and not letting it go. So it's funny. We you you were making that joke earlier about Boston not really being able to keep hold on a lead. That's kind of actually the part that's more intriguing is they've kind of like with the pressure now up, they've kind of gotten away from themselves in that sense that when right. they kind of put them down, they don't kick them and put them to sleep. They kind of are still kind of fighting on the floor. And so I think that's going to be the most important part and I hate saying that because this trend of blowouts in the postseason is not intriguing basketball mm-hmm. to break down, yeah. analyze, watch at all, yeah. right? But at the end of the day, if that's something that is going to be an element of any of these series, specifically with the Larry O'Brien trophy on the line, then it is one of those things that's going to be extremely important. But between the youthful aspect of this team, because at the end of the day, we have to remind ourselves, I understand Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, they've been Maybe not to the finals, but they've mm-hmm. been in this high pressurized situation of playing in the Eastern Conference finals and things of that nature. But and you want to hope that finally getting getting this monkey off their back and getting over the proverbial wall will be what, you know, will be that thing that really helps them. Mm-hmm. in this series right getting the monkey off their back of finally being able to break through that some of it could have just been the mental error of oh no not again right yeah right so and that because sometimes it might even just be that simple so my hope is for but from a boston fan perspective and i'm not a fan of them but as a guy who picked them right is the late game execution is going to come within the rhythm of the game now that all the chips are the way i phrased it the last couple of days is all the chips are on the table and we only got seven games max left to play so yeah. you only you only got to do it one way and that's right you know i know that's easier said than done obviously but the hot dogging and yeah. the the pressurized situation of oh lord here's this that and the third no man you just got to go out there and hoop because the personnel is there we've been saying for the last basically since january when everything was done with the Derek White trade, this team has eight to nine guys mm-hmm. in rotation where nobody's a net negative defensively. Nobody is, including, like you mentioned earlier, Peyton Pritchard, nobody's a net negative defensively and everybody can shoot, everybody can hit an open shot, like mm-hmm. you said earlier. So I think the late game execution thing is A, just maybe not being there most of the season. Again, when you spend a lot of time blowing folks out, you're not used to work, you're used to palms getting sweaty. So that's maybe one element, but I think another element of it too is just they are a youthful team. And we I think we kind of get yeah. lost in that sometimes. Yeah, that's a good point. I, we, do, we do the same we did the, the same thing with Memphis. A lot of people are in the headspace that 
John Morant's heading into season four, and people are wondering if they need to take some of these young guys they saw develop over the last season or two and make a splash trade. It's like, uh, or we can watch this butter churn, you know? Yes. And it just depends on what side of the wall you're on. So I think I think that the combination of those two things are kind of a big factor as to why they struggle in that time. But hey, like I said, there's no better time to kind of get that reel, reeled in than now. Yeah, I think that that is a good point. I mean, you don't if you don't play in close games, then you don't know what it's like to play in close games. Right. I know that sounds like kind of like like a very simple way to put it, but you you and in youth is a factor. I mean, uh, you know, we forget how young Tatum and Brown are, you know, and even even smart is not like it's not like he's you know this savvy veteran he's 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 only been in this spot a few times himself right. um so yeah i i find it i find it interesting that you said that i i do wonder um if the last series uh helped or hurt them in this in this in this point because you know they 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 blew in that heat series they blew several you know 10 plus point leads mm-hmm. um and and they almost did it again in game seven, right? Um, and, you know, like you said, Jimmy makes just a couple of different decisions and they possibly did blow another lead. And that would be, and I heard someone say, and I don't disagree that that would have been maybe one of the worst losses in, in, in Boston playoff history because they mm-hmm. had that game in control. And I think maybe it comes down to being a young coach too for you, May. I mean, you know, you knowing when to use your challenges and your timeouts and, and how you talk to your team. Cause he seems like he's like a general, right? Like he is like very mm-hmm. much like, Oh, you're going to make that pass. You're coming out of the game. I don't care if you're Tatum. I don't care who you are. Like you, 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 you play Boston basketball, you play my style. And if you don't, then you're going to hear it from him. Like, I'll never forget like <laughs> uh, somebody giving a anecdote of him and Grant Williams getting into it um, on the bench. And he's just like, Grant, shut up. Just shut up. And he's like, yeah, coach, but, you know, and he's like, no, Grant, shut up. Just shut. I don't want to hear it. And, like, uh, that kind of coaching style, I think, you know, we, 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 we heard it in the beginning of the season. People were questioning, like, his style because they were losing. They, you know, players seemed to be unhappy, but they came around. But my point is this, in, in these close games with young teams, sometimes you have to kind of coddle them, right, mm-hmm. and be like, listen, we got this. Just relax calm down and the more you uh build into that like i've had coaches my basketball coach in high school was that way he was very much like on edge like no fun this is this is life or death this is war right like we're not having fun here and so you were so afraid to make a mistake in crunch time that you made those mistakes right because because you were afraid not you're not that you were afraid of the moment but you were afraid of like am i going to get pulled am i going to get my my ass chewed out like consequence exactly And so I think that, you know, that might be part of it is like, hey, just play basketball, you know, and you see that you see that with uh, with Golden State, right? They just they play basketball, right? Like Mm. they just, you know, if they're down, it doesn't matter. They're going to keep running their offense. They're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Sometimes it makes you if you're watching them and you're rooting for them, if you have money on them. Maybe you're like pulling your hair out because you're like, oh my god, could you please stop shooting a, a forty foot three? Like, what are we doing here? Like, you know, there's there, there there's fifteen seconds left on the shot clock. Why are we shooting that shot? But mm. you know, when you have as many championships as they do, and you have the pedigree and the MVPs and the defensive player, you gotta kind of stick with it. So, but in in the end, like I I just 
this Boston team should win. They should, right? Personnel-wise, if it goes personnel for personnel, I think that you would easily say that Boston is the better team if you're going just down the roster. And this is no disrespect to to, to Golden State, but we're just talking about matchup for matchup purposes. And right. the big thing that you mentioned, too, and I think is why Robert Williams is going to be so important in this series is if Boston is allowed to play big, that nullifies something that Golden State has gotten away with being able to utilize throughout this postseason, and that's the the death lineup 2.0, or a lot of people are calling it the pool party lineup. Pool party, Basically, yeah. the one that has <laughs> Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, and then you have Andrew Wiggins at the four with Draymond uh, Draymond at the five. The issue with that is you are giving up significant size and the interior scoring ability of both Robert Williams above the rim and Al Horford away from the rim creates a really big struggle there where you play small like that and they can out physical out physical you inside. But here's another thing just size wise alone. And I, I don't, okay. Maybe take the size out of it. Cause I actually don't even think that's even important. Despite the fact that again, the Celtics are significantly bigger as a squad than golden state. If you play the pool party lineup, Whoever gets Jordan Poole is going to go try to go score mm-hmm. the basketball. Yeah, right. That is exact that is the quote unquote weak link that you create within that lineup. Whether whether Boston plays big or small, Jordan Poole in his own right is going to be very intriguing in this series from Golden State's perspective because he might have to be relegated to a Tyler Hero level role where maybe yeah. You only pay maybe you only play about twenty to twenty-five minutes as opposed to thirty to thirty-five. We know you have the offensive capability, but on the defensive end, I don't know if we can have you out on the floor with this significant size on the floor and give that up. We might need Draymond at the four and Kevon Looney in order to help us on the perimeter and internally by creating a deterrent there. That puts them in a struggle offensively then because Jordan Poole has been very significant Mm -hmm. on the offensive end where, yes, Klay Thompson has gone off for 30 points, but he's also at a 12-point night. Yeah, He's also at a 15-point night. We saw Curry. Curry only had, what, 12 to 15 points in that closeout game. Yes, Klay Thompson went off for 32, but again— if either one of those, if those, if either one of those other guys is cold and you can't rely on Jordan Poole to be in the game for significant time because of what he gives up on the defensive end, that puts you in a weird spot. That's actually why I think that the the the, the real key to the series outside of Robert Williams is are those wings for Golden State State healthy? Right? We mm-hmm. still don't. We don't even know what's up with Andre Iguodala. Yeah, Lord. I know. right. Otto Porter is in and out when he's been on the floor. That's a guy you really like on the wing defensively, yeah. especially in a series like this. This is a series where he could be clutch as a guy as a who really keeps the strings attached on the defensive end. I and then, agree, yeah. And then Gary Payton II, out the G League, has made a name for himself to the point that, I mean, I don't know how everybody else feels about him, but I think GP2 is arguably a top five perimeter defender today. Yeah. As is, when healthy, he is a top five perimeter defender right now. And honestly, if he played at least 25 minutes a game, I think he would be deserving of an all-NBA spot this this season from Mm -hmm. what we saw. And I think the only reason why he didn't make it was simply because he didn't have the playing time. Yeah. So a combination of those guys 
or for Golden State, Golden State's sake, maybe hopefully all of those guys. Yeah. If those guys can be healthy and available, that really opens things up for them because if they're going to lose that stuff from Jordan Poole offensively, they want to be able to really make up for that on the defensive end on the perimeter. And if they can't, that puts them in a bit of a bind because now they have to pick, are we going to just outscore Boston to death? Or are we going to try to get into this battle and try to make it as defensive as possible? Because we're talking about two of the best. I think these two teams were number one and two, literally, in yeah. defensive efficiency this year. Yeah. So the question is, is this going to be an offensive shootout or is this going to be a defensive grit and grind? And the question is, the, 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 that only will be answered based off, I think, what we see in the first two games in the series. Um, just to piggyback on on what you say, and then we can, we can close this out. Um, I think that the real death lineup, if they're healthy, is Otto Porter and Gary Payton Jr. on the floor with the with the other mm. three. Um, and the reason I say that is, in, in that so in my opinion, the the winning lineup for them is Steph Clay, obviously Draymond, obviously, and then Gary Payton and Otto Porter slash Andrew Wiggins. And the reason is Otto Porter six eight. He's six eight six nine. Like that dude is big. He's a mm. big dude. You don't realize how big he is uh, until he stands next to uh, someone who you know is six six. I mean, he he's wide, he's thick, he's strong, and he can rebound and he can shoot. Right. And so I think if you can play him in that lineup and la- allow him to guard Horford on one end, and then um, you know be that 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 spot up corner three guy on the offensive end, it makes a huge difference offensively and defensively for that because Porter's not a bad defender either. No, so, he's a he's actually a great defender yes. and even better as a team defender and I think yeah. just to like kind of like quickly like going to your point, I think that the lineup, I mean if you get Curry, Clay, Otto, Wiggins, Draymond, I think that's the closest thing to a wing to wing lineup yeah. that you can use to combat Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, Al Horford. It's like the typical kind of starting five we've gotten, especially yeah. with Robert Williams being injured. If those are the 5v5 that we see, that is a much more interesting head-to-head 5-to-5 five five on the floor than without Otto, for example. Yeah. Or without another strong wing defender who can knock down a three here and there as well. So I think that's huge. Like You hate the, you hate the idea of taking a guy with the offensive capability like Jordan Poole out of the game in in clutch moments. But when it comes down to that final three minutes of the game, when you need a stop, you have to, I think it's going to be really indicative of like, this is going to be really indicative of where Kerr stands on his roster. Yeah. Does Jordan Poole play in those final three minutes? Because he might be the best guy to give them a bucket but he might not be the guy they need yeah. to get the bucket right. in the final three minutes when you bring in the totality of also needing to get stops on the other end. Yeah. That's the that's gonna be something they're gonna have to tug and tug around with throughout this series. But it's gonna be an it's gonna be an important decision that could decide decide the series too. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think it's a little bit the series can be a little bit closer than people think. Because mm-hmm. I think people are I know that the Warriors are favorites, and I don't really understand that. Maybe it's because they're a public team, and people are just going to vote or just going to bet them because they're the known quantity. But Fair. Um, anybody I, I I've listened to or in my own like breaking down of this series, you know, I spent some time last night just like looking at matchups and looking at on-off splits, and then like looking at like defensive rating and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It just 
it it boggles my mind to think that Boston isn't a significant favorite in this series. Like, right. just like you, you know, we've broken all this down, and it's hard to imagine a scenario um, where they where they lose. But I do think that if if both teams are healthy, they Kerr has the lineups that can kind of be a foil to them, like we just mentioned. Um, it just depends on how much, like you said, how much faith does he have uh, in himself, and can he handle you know benching a player like Jordan Poole, who's mm. had this breakout. You know, um, I, the one thing you see about Boston is if you know Ume doesn't care if you're not performing, <laughs> he's going to pull you right. out. Yeah. So, you know, if, you know, Grant, like you said, Grant Williams was the hero in Milwaukee and he struggled against Miami and he didn't play. So, right. I mean, that's just the truth. And you, that you have to, and I think Kerr hopefully does, if, if anything, you know, I think um, he has a feel for this team um, and he, he'll make the right decisions just based on, 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 uh, you know, <laughs> Draymond and Steph and Clay, right? Like, they're they're the leaders of the team. Like God bless Jordan Poole because he got him there through some injuries, but this ain't his team yet. Right. You know? Um. One last thing I w- I wanted to mention is uh, before you go, uh, Dre and Grant Williams. That's gonna be fun, right? Those two yeah. talking. All the I mean, yeah, all the chirping and stuff, man. I think it's an interesting thing because I think they both. I think Grant Williams is cutting his teeth in the same way that Draymond Green had to in yeah. terms of being able to get his minutes as well. Because being a pick and pop shooter that also is able to be able to guard on the perimeter and guard the best teams, big guys at the same time is huge. And again, right, Grant yeah. Williams is really Grant Williams has really made a name for himself through this postseason. And I mean, look, you can look at and I have I've spent the time you know looking at some of the defensive clips uh, from Celtics versus Milwaukee and. There were times where Boston just felt comfortable with Grant Williams on Giannis and that physical body to body. Grant Williams was just such a a built guy and plays with that. He really utilizes that physical frame in a great way on defense to the point that you're not going to you're not going to shut down Giannis. But you saw that come game seven. Giannis was worn down, and that's what led to an inefficient exactly, twenty point yeah. night that got them got them killed in the, at the end of that series in Game Seven. So it get, went to show you that yeah, he yeah, Giannis is getting forty points here and thirty something here and this that and the third, but he is earning these baskets in ways that I don't think Giannis has truly kind of been used to outside yeah. of maybe the early times of bumping it maybe that that series where they bumped into the miami heat mm-hmm. or you know circumstances like that that and i think that's another thing kind of just to kind of close my point out that's one of the biggest things that i think is going to be so interesting about this series is golden state has not had to face a team with the kind of physical presence yeah. across the board that boston presents but boston has not had to play an up-tempo pace and space yeah yeah nearly in the ballpark of what golden state presents so i think the the idea golden state got through their side of the bracket simply by putting the ball in the basket and out shooting the living crap out of teams right Mm -hmm. while boston got through their side of the series essentially through having to take punches on the chin regularly right 
You faced multiple. I mean, granted, the Nets were a walk in the park through what you saw was a sweep. But go back and look at the go back and look at the point differential of that series. That that was a close. That was a close series throughout four games. Mm-hmm. That very first game one, a lot of people say if the Nets steal game one, maybe that series is viewed differently, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And then you move on to Milwaukee. That's easily the best series of this entire postseason. Yeah. Yeah. Bar none. And then the Miami series, even without Kyle Lowry being 100%, Tyler Hero being out for two games, Jimmy Butler struggling with injury as well, that was still a physical series. And so the bumps and bruises of that, you could argue, are either going to hinder the Boston Celtics or actually be the badges of honor they need to inflict the kind of pain they need to, to win this kind of series. So I think that contrasting style and their contrasting roots here. That'll probably be one of the bigger storylines going in is which team is going to be adjust, be able to adjust to the new the new style of play because they're both getting whacked with something completely different. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree, and I think um, I think you you pretty much I think put the pin on this right. Like that is what it's going to come down to. I and and whoever whoever really uh, adjusts. Uh, to the other play, other style of play, the fastest or can dictate that uh, is probably going to win the series, and that's why I think it's, it is a little bit closer than like maybe uh, I view it as. Because like I just, I mean, again, maybe I'm just re- it's part of my bias too of like, man, I hate Boston, but they're going to win, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> right. you know, um, but we'll see. That's why they play the game, right? That's what we're that's what we're doing. This. Uh, all right, Jay. It was great having you on. Do you want to plug anything before you you, you get out the door? Oh, man. So, yeah, we're doing a new podcast for the website I write for, Baltimore Sports and Life. It's called BSL Sports Radio. So we're doing that covering the NBA Finals. And we plan on – we just literally, like, recorded an episode today as we're recording this. So June 1st. So that should drop tomorrow. That's going to be really interesting uh, to kind of continue moving forward because this is a different perspective. A, it's radio, so it's a little bit different, but also – you know, this is going into our first off season uh, doing this, and that's where the gates are open because everything's evergreen, right? Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you can find my work on the Baltimore Sports and Life website or uh, my tag on Instagram at the moment is Basketball Genius One. It'll be the Knockdown J. Look up the Knockdown J first. By the end of the week, that'll be what all my top, my stuff is. So, Instagram, uh, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter will all be the Knockdown J by saturday this week that's that's how i'm looking at it beautiful all right well it was a pleasure having you on once again uh we hopefully fingers crossed we'll see uh jay back on this podcast in the coming days right for sure yep all right that's gonna do it for this episode of two guys one hoop uh don't forget to email the podcast two guys one hoop at gmail.com uh give us your thoughts who's gonna win the final who's gonna be mvp and uh what did we miss uh other than that we will catch you on the flip side peace